scene in The Last of Us, much like many others, where you're hiding behind a desk, Ellie behind you, and you have several options as to how to proceed. There are quarters on either side as you drop down from a faucet up stairwell, and to one side there's an infected clicker getting closer by the second. A steel pipe lays on the ground behind you, and in that direction lies an infected stalker. Neither option is good, and I was already low on ammo. I picked up the pipe and decided to approach the clicker. I waited till he turned away from me and brought the pipe down to bear on his head as quickly as possible. By the time I'd gotten a second hit in on him, I'd attracted the attention of another wandering stalker who, despite my best efforts, ripped my neck to shreds. I loaded the game from the last spot and decided this time to tackle the stalker first. I waited till he turned, shuffled a bit further from a nearby clicker, and took him into a chokehold, my thought being that if I could take him down silently, maybe I wouldn't have to worry about any ads. This proved to be wishful thinking, because no sooner had the stalker's body hit the ground than a clicker spotted it and me and decided to alert the entire building to our presence. Before long, I had four of them around me, preventing me from escaping, and once again, my neck was rendered useless. I reloaded and this time took several moments to stealth around watching the flow of the clickers and stalkers. In so doing, I found a room to one side with a counter in it. I slipped behind it and watched the enemies patrol the area. And at the proper moment, slipped past them all, young Ellie and I safe from further neck thrashing. One of the best things to come to games has been save points. Instead of having to return time and time again to the start of a game, we can now start from a nearby save point, ready to proceed having learned something vital about an encounter. Without getting too philosophical, life's like that as well, except in post-apocalyptic life-or-death situations, of course. You get to learn from your mistakes and correct them. I love making mistakes. This may sound like a ridiculous statement, but it's true. Making mistakes means you're not done trying. Speak to any scientist or inventor and they'll tell you that for every success there are hundreds, even thousands of mistakes and it's in each of those mistakes that a vital lesson is learned. We made two mistakes with For the Lore and each one involved us trying to grow it into something more than just a simple podcast devoted to story-driven games. First with Bow Down to Us, then later with Internet Dragons TV. While our intentions were good, the end result in each case was the same. I believe it's important to try new things and to attempt to grow. However, I also believe in learning from one's mistakes. And on a personal note, living with a disability is challenging and you have to learn to adapt constantly, testing the boundaries of what is possible, certainly, but also learning what is feasible and being happy with that. For the Lore is a simple podcast devoted to story-driven games, and it will never, ever attempt to be anything but again. And I believe that's a good thing. So I'd like to welcome back my esteemed co-hosts, Joe and Vince. It's a pleasure to have you back, boys. Oh, man. Is this real? Is this real life? (laughs) You can talk now. I told you you could be quiet, but it is. Yeah. (laughs) I know, it's really good to be back. I have I have missed it. And I will say when I heard that music hit for that first time again, yeah, all the nostalgia just came flowing back. I'm so happy. You know, See, I'm sure I'm just like I'm just like you, Joe, where on like the first of the year I was listening to some of the old podcasts and man, the minute that guitar chord hit, I was right back in my happy place. 
It's yep. funny because I had to actually, I was looking back through all of the old, the archives and whatnot. And it was funny too, because I, I keep like all the podcasts fairly well organized on the, the system and the server to make sure that I don't lose anything. And, um, which isn't to say it's going to work well when I get it going, but at least it's saved. But I'm looking through and of course I had for the lore in my archives folder. So all of the old episodes, all of the intro blurbs, all of the graphics, as is obvious from what you're seeing on the screen now, folks in the audience, which thank you very much for coming, folks. The uh, So yeah, so I had everything in that. It felt so good to click and drag for the lore out of the archives back into the actives. So yeah, it's been just shy of two and a half years, folks, since we had... Uh, benched for the lore in order to grow into internet dragons tv and and who knew making goddamn videos was so fucking hard <laughs> uh, and i did and constantly having people say no you can't put that up because of copyright notices so yeah, that was the big problem there. yes yeah when you're spending hours on this now people have to to keep in mind like we're just regular guys we work full time we have people in our lives and it's like there's there's only so much time in a day. We've always done this because we enjoy doing it, not because we're making any money off of it. Certainly, and uh, and so when we switched over to for the, uh, to Internet Dragons, and like I mean, I would spend hours and hours and hours on videos, put them up, and then they're taken off because of copyrights, and that really just knocks the shit out of you, and you really don't feel like doing it much longer. Well, it's not even that. Like it was either. I mean, on top of that too, it was half of them were either to pull it down or they wanted you to allow them to make money off of it, and it wasn't even somebody who owned the rights to the content. Like there was just so much BS with it. So we tried, yeah. Anyways, and once again, it was one of those things that with bowed onto us that you know it just didn't work, and that's because the formula for for the lore is this. This works. Now, that said, I, I, I slam on Bow Down to Us, but like I said when we came back from that, Bow Down to Us, in that short period that we had it up, we put up just shy of, I believe it was 60 podcast episodes between lore, gameplay, and our comic book. And so I'm, I am happy. We did it. We did a hell of a lot. And that was the birth of Comic Book Informer. And I'm so happy that Vince and I are doing that. We're closing in on 200 episodes right there. Yeah, if there's anything to take positive out of that whole project, that's it. Yeah, we learned. Again, like I said during the intro, it's important to make mistakes. It's important to keep trying things, but you also learn from that. And this is what For the Lore is, and I am so happy with that. And I'm happy with it just remaining this forever now and we are never expanding beyond this now that being said a lot of people were saying no i'm saying well you know what and let's just say it's never going to be anything more um a lot of people were saying that they were hoping that we would kind of touch on 2014 and do a best of and whatnot and i thought i think it's actually better if we start off looking forward instead so we are going to be talking about 2015 about the games that we are most excited for. As it would happen, a lot of the games that we're excited for are single-player RPGs that might have something to do with the fact that 2014 was a horrendous year for MMO releases. Who knows? But it is just that. There's a ton of phenomenal games that are coming out that you can pick up, not half to worry about being harassed online and just have a hell of a lot of fun. We're going to run through a whole bunch of them. Now, that being said, 
as is always the case, like this is just a list that we put together quickly of the games that are coming out that are not just notable games or AAA games, but those that also have caught our attention over the course of the year. There's going to be more. We no doubt miss some, but just bear with us. We will cover those in future episodes. That's the beauty of doing a podcast. So we're going to kind of run through some of these and touch on some of the ones that we are most interested in. Some of them we're just going to basically mention and move on from there. Now, the first one is closing out the Batman. It's not a trilogy at this point, but the Batman uh, franchise that has been going on just with uh, with Rocksteady. Rocksteady, right, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and so it's closing off that story, and that's Arkham Knight that's going to be coming out soon. Vince, take this away. You see, I, I was wondering if I should ask, have you tag me on this one? Because I'm so split on this game. Because first of all, as is very no, yeah, goodness, freaking drinks. <laughs> as is well known to anybody who listened years ago, we all three of us loved Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. So I completely passed Arkham Origins. Did either of you guys even try that one? Yeah, I played it. Not no. all the way through, but I did play it. Like, it was just one of those like. It. I had a bad feeling from day one, and from what I've heard, I'm glad I stayed away from it. So I was like, okay, Arkham Knight, this is going to be Rocksteady's return. You know, the guys that originally designed this franchise, nobody's going to know it better than them. And from a gameplay standpoint, I'm completely confident that, man, Rocksteady knows what the hell they're doing. I'm just not entirely sure they know what Batman is supposed to be anymore. And this is something we've talked about on Comic Book Informer. My num- one of my top hated things in the entire history of comics is bat armor. Yeah. I am of the opinion that unless he's fighting <laughs> Superman oh, or like super venomed out Bane, Batman should not be wearing armor. Come on. I would the, say the recent other, the one exception is going to be Batman Beyond. Because no, come on. No, no. The recent ones well, where he's different. fighting the Justice League, you didn't think that armor was insanely awesome? Oh, no. That. That armor was entirely valid for the situation. But Batman it's isn't just going to show up on, like, a regular patrol wearing his awesome, like, adamantium armor. And I know – I know. shut up. <laughs> but then it's also one of those things where they've made such a big deal in this game about Batman's use of the Batmobile. And I'm like, okay, the Batmobile is cool. It should be something that's applied to the games. But every time I see footage of the Batmobile in this game, it's got Gatling guns and missile launchers and it's blowing shit up. And I was like, it's just that's More like the Punisher van. Batman. Yeah, but that's the yeah, same thing it, with the, the first one from the, 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 uh, the reboot when they did it. When the first one came out, it was way too much. And I felt the same way when it came out. But then it's just one of those things where you accept, oh, this is just part of the extra gadgets and crap. It's, it's not a huge deal. Yeah, and that's why I have such a split mind because I know the game's going to be fun. Like, I just know that. And I know the story is going to be cool. It's just there's this little feeling in the back of my head that something's not quite right here. Now, see, I, I disagree only in that I think that this one is going to be all right. Origin had some problems with it, and that's because it was a different studio that worked on it. So that's kind of why a lot of people felt that it was... It was lacking in some regards. Now, and that's partially why I actually didn't finish. Now, granted, I say partially simply because anybody who knows me knows I'm notorious for not finishing games. Yeah. What but was the last game? I'm you not the only one that's like that's a zip it. But but <laughs> Origin was different in it. It 
it really felt like it was a separate entity from the Rocksteady Batman games. So this mm-hmm. being a return to that, I think will be different and will feel a lot better, a lot more natural. Because, I mean, you bounce into um, Arkham City and and it does feel great. It feels like Arkham Asylum, just bigger in scope. And, you know, you get that same vibe from the villains and everything else. Whereas Origin was not that. Again, it, it's not that it was bad per se. I mean, it's like saying that a Metascore, you know, 85 game doesn't feel quite as good as a Metascore 93, 95 game. That 85 game is still fucking fantastic. It's just not the... 95 so and that's how i felt about origin myself when i played it and and i think that's fair i've loved the hell out of plenty of five out of tens go ahead joe no i was gonna say like i think that's fair but i think what vince was getting at and something that i kind of agree with is is that fear of is this just going to have too much in it like is it still going to have enough of that core present to still be fun or is it just they're going to keep adding too much to it to kind of kind of bump it up against what their competition is okay, and but just kind of lose focus. When you say adding too much, what do you mean? Are you talking about like, villains? Are you talking about settings? Are you talking because I mean they went from Arkham Asylum to the city being the entire thing. That was a massive bump up. So what that do you was think? A massive, that was a massive bump up, but that was a massive bump up in like scope. Um with Origin, it was sort of I don't know, it just felt like Okay, yeah, there but was we're not talking much- about Origin. I'm talking about Arkham well, Knight. We, we really can't factor origin into any discussion about no, this no, game. I don't, no, no, I don't. So even into this, the stuff with the Batmobile, like that kind of turned me off. Really? Like, I think that's just too much. Like, I don't think that's entirely necessary as far as like what I get enjoyment out of the game. And this is, this is me personally. It's if I'm going to be playing as Batman, I just want to be going around zip lining. I want to have the movement effects from it. I don't really care about the vehicles. The vehicles are kind of like, Okay, great for a cutscene for me, but I think that that might be a little bit too much. Yeah, but and depending on how heavily that factors in, that worries me. See, that's me a, That's like the Mass Effect mentality, where you know you don't want the 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 Mako because it's it was crap in when it was originally put in, but then it got a little bit better. But I think that that kind of attitude is different and and is justifiable in those type of games, but in a game like this where the Batmobile is such an iconic part of a Batman game or the, I should say the Bat mythos, whatever you want to call it. To me, it makes sense to put something in that is over the top and fantastic. I don't want to see some rinky dink little, you know, Michael Keaton Batmobile zipping around Gotham. I want something that's going to be insanely badass because we've gotten to that point where that's what the character is. So to me, it it kind of makes sense. Yeah, but the way I look at it is, is the Batmobile cool because it's an awesome car or is the Batmobile cool because it's a fucking tank? And there's definitely a distinction there. And that's just the one thing that kind of grates on me. Right. Okay. what else then? Uh, other than that, you're you're fine with it? Like, do we even know it, how I, much the Batmobile is going to be in this thing? Well, it's been like 75% of their marketing. So I don't know if yeah, they're just really yeah. pushing that one small feature or if it's really going to be that important. We won't know until the final game comes out. 
I my money's but on I, it. I can understand be it being the focal point of their marketing because honestly, it's the one new thing in this game. Yeah. Okay, we'll see. Uh, moving on, just to name some other games that we're looking forward to, Battlefield Hardline is going to be coming out too, which is going to be fairly big. The beta was out for uh, PS4 a while back. I don't know. Did, did you get a chance to do it, Vince, to play it? That's a no. No, it it didn't, really didn't interest me at all. Son of just, a bitch is drinking. Like, it's just a conceptual thing. Like I love the Battlefield games for like the big chaos, but I don't know this whole cops versus crooks thing. Exactly. In addition to being incredibly poor timing, just as a concept, doesn't work for me. Yeah, I mm-hmm. actually did mess around with the beta for this, and while it played well and was fun. I actually really much preferred the war settings of the actual Battlefield game. So I wasn't quite as crazy about Hardline. Again, which isn't to say that it didn't play well. It did. It played beautifully. The The setting was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. But I don't think that I would actually pick this up after having just played through the beta myself uh one that i am actually really looking forward to is bloodborne we're we're not going to delve too much into this one but it is definitely something that the more i see of it the more interested i am in it it just looks so insanely suspenseful and edge of your seat controller and hand kind of fun versus it's not going to be something that creeps you out. It's just going to be so much bloody fun. I don't know how much you guys have seen of this. This is the, well, uh, the one that's one of kind of similar things. to Demon Souls, right? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. It's just, from what I've seen so far, much better done, better execution. Yeah, because for me, like the Dark Souls and Demon Souls games really don't work for me. And it's not a matter of difficulty. It's a matter of how that difficulty is handled. Now, I've heard Bloodborne is going to be like more casual friendly, but until I see more, I'm really on the fence. Yeah. Uh, another one is Crackdown, which the trailers made this seem fucking godly, but it's Xbox One. <laughs> and not a one of us owns an Xbox One right now. A few of us were tempted during the sales recently. And by a few, I mean you two, not so much me. Um, just to touch ever so briefly on that now, the it's been a while, obviously, since the release of both consoles. Vince and I both have a PS4. Joe, you're still working off of uh, old consoles. But yes, I am. You're both actually interested at this point if the price is right on an Xbox One? I'm starting to get to that point just because the price it, for me, it's a price point thing that really kind of gates me as far as the, the consoles go. And I really hated the idea of having to have a connect because I have no desire to own yeah. one. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they're removed those and reduction in price and all the promos that people are running for it, it's definitely something that I'm interested in, especially with like um, destiny has been probably the biggest thing that's trying to, pull me towards a console to begin with because as, as much as I well, want to play that on two PC, very close think, friends who play it on PS4. <laughs> exactly. But I'm saying like, that's a factor. That's also a factor for me, like looking at game consoles and then with the price dropping, it's like, well, if I'm going to buy one, I'm probably going to wind up buying the other one too. So we're going to come to a game a little later on. That's going to be like my break point on the Xbox <laughs> one. But if I do get one, this is definitely on the radar. 
See, for me, it would have to be such an insanely good deal for me to pick one up just because the PS4 is doing everything that I need it to do. It's It's got so many games that I love. It's got exclusives that I am giddy about and it just works so beautifully. And then, of course, you get the Blu-ray player and it's streaming is fantastic on it and whatnot. So I just... I love it. There are a few exclusive com- exclusives coming out for the one that that I would like to be able to play it, but nothing's at the point where it's like I need to buy this console because I can't miss out on these games right now. Like we're going to be talking a little bit later on about The Legend of Zelda, which a lot of people are saying that is their game that is going to sell them on the Wii U. They've been holding off on the Wii U, but it's like they have to have the Wii U now, especially because of that, not just because of that, but that's the tipping point for them. Uh, Moving forward, we've got Dying Light. Joe, you were the one that was fairly excited about this. Oh, God, I I love survival horror games, and this hits every button for everything that I've been looking for. Um, It's a game from a Polish developer, Techland. Um, It's going to be published through Warner Brothers. Uh, It's a zombie apocalypse-themed game set in an open world in Turkey, and it's really based around uh, movement and scavenging. Uh, where there's a lot of free running, a lot of uh, you cobbling together your own weapons, your own gear. And it's really kind of interesting because the zombie apocalypse, so to speak, is contained right now. It's an outbreak in just this, what is it, Urfa, Turkey. Um, And the main part of the story takes place in, I believe, the city is called Hanan. And it's really cool because uh, you're going out of the world. You're getting these, these resources and things like that. Uh, for everybody else, but there's this nice sort of duality. The zombies are really lethargic um, and really sort of meandering and sort of kind of like despondent during the daytime. And then as soon as it flips over to night, they started getting more active. They start getting more vicious. They start pulling up into packs. And it's a really kind of cool concept for me. Um, the free running mechanics, the the movement, the motion uh, was one of the first things that kind of drew me into the game. When I'm seeing players zip lining from rooftop to rooftop, getting over zombie hordes or crashing down uh, without making their stride and rolling off the and then going back up the side of a building. That type of stuff is cool for me because this is this is life after the zombie apocalypse has been happening for a little while. It's also got a very heavy political story behind it, too, a political drama, which is interesting to me because how does society sort of exist at this time and how is it being held together and what sort of things, what people are trying to grab power? And I always kind of like those sort of those sort of stories. And this really hits all those buttons. Now, not only is it sort of cool on all those factors for me, it's also got a brand new game engine, which is not something we see too often out of anything that's not basically coming out of Asia. Um, It's a brand new engine for specifically dynamic uh, environments as far as interactive uh, environments with destructibles, day and night cycles, lighting and weather effects. And that really kind of interests me as well because from a technical standpoint that's a really kind of that's a big undertaking for any studio to take and then on top of that to put a game out on top of producing a brand new engine i don't know i'm really interested to see where this is going from the thing that i like is that we're at a point now where we've gotten enough of these left for dead clones that 
the developers need to spend a lot more time investing in stories. And that's what we're all about. So it makes sense that we would discuss this. But we need these stories to have a lot more depth than what we've seen. And we saw with um, The Walking Dead, with, well, I mean, Telltale is known for that specifically. Mm-hmm. They did such a good job implementing a story in a post-apocalyptic zombie story kind of thing. And we need to see a lot more of that, is my opinion, from anybody putting out a zombie story. I mean, we, we saw years ago the Dead Island trailers, which were hard. Which are still the best part of Dead Island. Exactly. Astounding. <laughs> <laughs> you saw those trailers and they were so beautifully executed that you get this the story in reverse of what happened and whatnot. And it was just amazing. And then you get the game and you're like, well, okay, it's a good survival zombie story, but or a game, but it, the story is damn near non-existent. It's not important, and the developers need to realize that the gameplay is not that good either. Well, depends on who you ask. Um, but yeah, we want so much more, and and not just we want it, but but it can be there. You just have to invest the money to hire writers, and not just ask you know the dude who textures rocks to come up with a plot and then yeah, come up with something that's, that's fantastic. And it's not that hard to do, really, because you have a perfect setting for all sorts of drama and suspense. And as long as you take the focus off of zombie bashing and more on the people like Telltale did, you get a much better quality of game out of it. And I, that's what it seems like uh, Techland is going for, and that excites me. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next one. And again, it's a bashing on creatures or whatever the hell it is and that's evolve we saw quite a bit of this with uh, at various games shows but not where they would show people playing it we got to see ign doing it quite a bit where they they were having a blast because again it's that four-on-one mentality and there's a lot of tactics behind it and um, but i'm not so sure i haven't looked into it enough to see like what all the the, the story or whatever behind it is well, there's not a whole lot of story from what I've seen. It's it's a lot like Left 4 Dead. You're given a premise and just kind of thrust into the gameplay aspect of it. But where, like, I know all three of us played and loved Left 4 Dead, but at least for me, it got boring after a point. It's like, okay, I've played this mission. I know what happens. As long as my teammates don't suck, we're going to be fine. Whereas Evolve adds that twist into the mix of an actual human opponent, so it takes that Left 4 Dead formula of the four-player co-op that works so well with, and adds in different character classes and customizations and advancement and all those things that really excite me personally, but adds in a random element of an actual other player. And another player that has some cool fucking shit that they get to do as the monster. Like, I... Unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to play the alpha, but I saw a lot of videos, and it's one of those games where as soon as I saw actual live real life gameplay i was sold i again i haven't seen that much of it yet that i'm sold on it but the idea of the four on one is if you have enough friends it does actually interest me it does sound like it could be a lot of fun to play for the record looking for three friends (laughs) one of them not hooks Sorry, Hooks. I was just kidding. <laughs> we love you. Okay, moving on. Uh, Final Fantasy 15 is another big one right now that they're talking about. That's 
how it, it, how excited are you actually for this one? Moderately, because I mean, on the one hand, it's a new Final Fantasy game, so by default, I'm interested. But knowing everything behind it, how it was initially supposed to be yet another side story and spinoff of 13. And we definitely see that because the gameplay is so vastly different from what we've expected from the Final Fantasy franchise. Like, it's something Square could have gotten away with a lot easier if it was a spinoff instead of a mainline title. But now that it's got, you know, an official number, it has that much more to live up to. And from a gameplay standpoint, we know virtually nothing at this point, so I can't judge it there. What we have seen is it's actually kind of a cool concept because the main character is this prince who's basically been not exiled from his kingdom but thrust out of power, and he's kind of got to stay under the radar. So they have this cool concept of a road trip where they're you know skirting around other areas trying to stay under the radar, and that's a pretty cool concept. But from what we've seen from these trailers, you have these four douchey guys who are the main characters. And unless I'm mistaken from what Square Enix has told us, those four douchey guys are the only playable characters, which is a huge problem for any number of reasons. Like, the game looks cool and it looks fun, but it sets off a lot of alarms for me. See, for me, the alarms was the freaking mechanic with the chest hanging out of the shirt and hot pads. And like, oh, come on. Seriously, like, dude, is this really necessary? It was so freaking aimed at a 12-year-old, it was insulting. That's- yeah, and I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but, like, Road Trip really didn't kind of sell it for me. Like, everything I've seen from this so far, aside from the cool-looking visuals, has kind of made me not excited for it. And I wanted to be. I wanted to be so bad because I hated 13 so much. And there's no way in hell I was playing 14. I wanted to love 15. I wanted to. I wanted to come back. But I just, I'm not seeing anything that makes me even remotely excited for it. I'm seeing sprites that look like they've been inspired by Final Fantasy 7 and 8 and 9. Uh, I'm seeing, like, really cool, like, spell effects. But that's really about it. Like, it just looks cool. It doesn't seem like it's something that I want to play, though. Yeah, like, the road trip didn't sell it for me, but... It's such a different storytelling mechanism from what we've seen in other RPGs. I'm at least interested. Like, yeah, the character designs as Pure Nomura. It's exactly what we've seen for years. But as I said, I'm not jumping up and down for it. But it's, it's at least piqued my interest. Okay, moving on. Um, Halo 5, Guardians is coming out. Is that like a must-buy for you or just, eh, we'll see what the reviews say? It's a must-buy for anybody that has an Xbox One, but I was so disappointed by Halo 4 that I really don't care at this point. Yeah. Uh, We've got Inside, and then we've got The Legend of Zelda. Now, this is a tough one to talk too much about simply because we really don't have that much information. We got to see some videos where they were playing it, but they were playing in terms of just kind of wandering around. It was interesting because we got to see the... The, the the manner in which they're presenting it now, which is far less of a scripted story with quest lines and quest hubs and whatever, and much more of an open world concept. And I liked the keywords that they used here were in it's it's gonna be open world, it's going to be dynamic in terms of your quests 
wherever you get them from, are going to dynamically adjust to match whatever level you are. Which means you don't have to go from quest hub to quest hub and just follow this linear pattern of, of leveling up your character. You can actually just hop on a Pona, which they show it off as well, and take off. And then eventually you run into a quest Take it if you want. If not, keep moving on. And so I like that dynamic approach to questing. I, I really wish that other games did that as well and that it felt more more real. And again, I, I keep using dynamic, but it's the word that fits. So in that regard, I'm very excited. I, I really love the art style that they went for. But that said, I don't like how jarring the art style is between the environment and the characters. When you see the videos and you see Link on a Ponum, they almost look like they're cel-shaded versus the environment, which has this quite beautiful 3D effect with like bloom effects and everything. I found that fairly jarring and I actually wasn't crazy about that myself. I don't know about you guys. I didn't really mind it so much. I kind of liked the the sort of uh, duality of it. I liked the the sort of because your focus kept coming back to the characters. I I enjoyed that. And while the vistas were very beautiful, I mean, honestly, I really care more about whether or not my character is dying. So, right. And what do you think about the that kind of dynamic questing that leaves it up to you to just find what you want to do wherever you land? It sounds like Skyrim, but better, as far as I'm concerned. See, for me, it's a little weird, because Zelda games aren't gated by your level. They're gated by the items you have available. Yeah. So I'm really curious how they're going to fit that open-world aspect with the progression that we're used, from a, we're used to from a Zelda game. So, I mean, it's one of those things, obviously, we need to know more, but again, in concepts, I'm... I'm more curious than apprehensive, but I don't know. It's It seems like a big departure, and I'm all for changing things in games, but there are certain formulas that just work at the same time. Yeah, but the last Zelda games were not nearly as successful. <laughs> the, uh, sure. what was it, the 3DS one? The What was it? The the Phantom, not a Phantom Hourglass. Whatever the 3DS Phantom one. Phantom Hourglass. Yeah, it was Phantom Hourglass. That's probably one of the best Zelda games I've ever or- played. What is it? Or the Link Between Two Worlds? Yeah, Link Between Worlds. That's the one. Sorry. A Link Between Worlds is probably one of the worlds. best Zelda games they've ever made, using the same progression concept as before. Mm. I would agree. I think the Ocarina of Time is still the best, but that's just an opinion. Uh, moving on from there, because again, like I said, there's really not a ton that we can talk about because we haven't been told a lot. Well, but as, it will I'm be sorry, before you move on, as a quick aside, was that their official announcement for a new Starcraft or Star Fox game? Because yes, I yes. had not heard it previously, and they just kind of dropped it in there casually. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of things that just kind of dropped in there. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, Mad Max is going to be coming out as well. Well, I'm That's, super excited for the movie, from uh, me, as we yeah. know, but we know nothing about the game. Yeah. Then we've got Metal Gear Solid Five. That's... Are you even excited for a Metal Gear Solid game anymore? Metal Gear Solid 4 I haven't was been in years. so unlikable for me, which I'll go on record. Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater is one of my favorite games of all time, 
period. But Metal Gear Solid 4 fell so far outside the game spectrum as far as the amount of gameplay to cinematics that I really lost my taste for it. And the stuff I saw from Ground Zeroes, which was the prequel to Metal Gear Solid 5, was just, I mean, offensive. So at this point, no. Yeah, I really have little to no interest at all in this. So, um, now, my son, seriously would play Minecraft all the time. All the time. <laughs> I've tried this, and I am in that minority, and I fully admit that it is a minority, because people are crazy about Minecraft. Who really just doesn't get it? I, I, I tried it, and it was just... I, I can't get into it. It's, it's, to me, it's a waste of time. I just don't enjoy it. And I know I'm in the minority. I know it's a good game. I... I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I'll play the crap out of a Telltale Minecraft game. <laughs> so yeah, Minecraft story mode, I'll play. I, I'm having a blast doing Tales from the Borderlands right now, and I've loved everything else they've done. So I'm really curious to see what exactly they're going to do with this Minecraft game. I just don't see it personally. I just I give yeah, yeah. I give zero fucks about Minecraft. I mean, personally, I'm more of a Terraria guy, but That's I would play Telltale Games goes to Chick Fil A at this point. Yeah, they, they they can do no wrong in my opinion. So that's why when something comes out like this that is so out of left field that you're like, how are they going to make this work? That's part of the appeal for me, because seriously, with board. Borderlands. Borderlands is a goddamn shooter. How how are they going to make this work? And from the moment it was announced, that was part of the appeal. I want to know how they're going to make this work. Can't wait to see how they're going to make this work. And, and they did. And at the same time, there's precisely zero story in Minecraft, so they can just go nuts. Town, definitely. Uh, let's Stone move on to the second. Remember that. <laughs> just, you're excited <laughs> for Mirror's Edge to go for it. I am. Mirror's Edge was one of my favorite games, and again, it was a movement thing for me. I liked the idea of, of a free-running game. I liked how they did it. Um, but there was always one big glaring hole with the first one, and there was no goddamn story whatsoever. Like, you're just kind of running around and doing things. Um, Mirror's Edge 2 is going to fix that. Apparently, it's going to be an open-world action-adventure game that's a prequel reboot for the series. Um the main character, Faith, we actually see in like the preview trailers and stuff that have been coming out, her getting her tattoos. And apparently her story is going to be the main focal point of everything that happens. We're going to learn about who she is, why she's doing what she's doing, uh, and everything else in between. Um, that's really kind of cool for me because, again, I really loved the first game. I thought it was a very cool concept, but it had no meat to it. Now we're actually getting meat. Uh, from a gameplay standpoint, they've tightened things up. Uh, they're making it so that there's a broader move set. Um, you can actually do takedowns for, like, in the middle of running uh, that will not break your stride whatsoever. And there's going to be multiple routes available uh, across the board so that if you are a very skilled player, you can take a more difficult, quick route. Uh, if you're more of a casual player, you can take a slower, safer route. It just seems like they've they've kind of taken everything that was good about Mirror's Edge and actually made a game out of it, which, again, I love the first one, but it really wasn't too much of a complete game. It had cool mechanics and nothing else. 
Yeah, the trailers for two did make it seem like they're. And I'm hoping it's not just the trailers. It did make it seem like there's going to be some fairly interesting story elements tossed in. So, I I was terrible at one. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> right there, but man, whether it was on PC or on console, I was just horrific at that game. But from a style perspective, it was gorgeous in every way imaginable. So toss in a good story on top of that, and I, it, I would actually play this and be excited for it. It's, now I was so terrible at the first one, I'm just very apprehensive. It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Has they, a, have, they, have route, they have routes for people just like you now. Does the game play itself? The slower, safer routes. Another game. See, it was a perfect segue, and you fucked it up now. No man. <laughs> just like the old this days. Is a, what, yeah. a game that, from the moment it was announced, really got a lot of people very, very interested in it. The, the funny thing is, is that we know so little about it at all. It, they're they're purposely being coy about what they're releasing. We know that it's going to be this procedurally generated universe. We know that there's going to be a few things in it that are going to allow you to you know do some mining and things like that. But other than that, unless you've dug up something that we that I haven't seen yet, then I've done some research and I found out what the ultimate purpose of you as a player is you know the gameplay goal and that and this is the developers almost exact words something is happening at the middle of the universe and the entire point of the game is to find out what is happening at the center of the universe so that's what the whole planets and space stations and all that is it's a progression means where you're meant to explore these planets find resources take these resources back to a central hub upgrade go find a new planet and et cetera, et cetera, until you finally get to the center of the universe. They say you're looking about at about 40 to 100 hours of gameplay just to accomplish that primary goal, but you're meant to just get lost in the larger planet sphere. And as far as that itself is concerned, man, from what we've seen, I have no problem spending 20 hours just wandering around a planet by myself, exploring it, seeing the wildlife, seeing the environment, all these things that if there's a gameplay hook behind it and a driving force, not not even story related, but I'm hoping we get some of that in there. It's just such a gorgeous game and these environments that I am an admitted exploring fiend that I, I might just stay on the starter planet forever. It, it does have me insanely interested in right from the get-go. It's funny because we like we were excited for Destiny when it was originally announced and thinking this is going to be great. It's going to be something where we can go to a bunch of different planets and, and explore them. And we later found out that's not so much the case. But whereas No Man's Sky doesn't have the combat that Destiny has and all that, it's going to have that sense of exploration, which any of us that are fans of Star Trek and things like that really will sink our teeth into and really adore. And so the more they've said about it and how, oh, again, there's, there's, it, it's 
it's so freaking large because it's procedurally generated that you're going to have so many varieties in terms of what the planet will hold for you. Man, it just, there, there's no freaking story to speak of, <laughs> but the game is cool as hell and I cannot wait to play it. I like the visuals of it too. Like the, uh, at least from what I've seen from what they've shown, what limited is like the, uh, the concept arts and some of the limited screens. I really like that because it's got a, almost like a pulp sci-fi feel to it too, which kind of speaks to me. Like that makes me very interested because I'm a very visually oriented player. And if I'm going to be bored with like a washed out uh, sort of scene or where everything's going to be the same, like just the variety that they've shown and just sort of that old classic sci-fi feel that'll have me playing and searching for hours on end. See, it's interesting that you talk about this art style of No Man's Sky because it kind of ties back into what we were talking about uh, with Guardians of the Galaxy just the other day, how it shows a different color palette than so many of the other big blockbusters. Well, for the last five to ten years, so much of the gaming industry has had this muddy and largely uninteresting color palette. And with No Man's Sky and a lot of the other games that are coming out in the near future, we're finally seeing that color coming back into the art style in addition to just high-resolution graphics that, I, I honestly, it has me very interested in the entire next generation, but like No Man's Sky is kind of carrying the banner for that. See, when I look at it, though, what I'm seeing is, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. However, I don't know, and I'm not saying I, I, I disagree or I don't. I'm, I'm quite literally saying I don't know whether or not I agree with you in terms of that brightness in setting having the same feel in a movie versus a game. Whereas oh, I, I, with Guardians, it was like, different. yeah, that was a great choice to be a lot brighter and use more colors and things like that. And I applaud it. Whereas with games, because you are so immersed in them, I think that that gritty, tactile, textured feel works a lot better than the bright feel. I think it's, I think there's a place for both, though. Really, because mm-hmm. if yeah. you look at games like look at games like Child of Light, which Renee was talking about earlier in chat, it's a very pretty game that uses pops of color among the grittiness. You know what I mean? Like things like that. There, there. I think there's a place for both. Like some of the other games that you know we kind of have on this list, like uh, Ori in the Blind Forest. Um, what is it? Wild. Like we're finally, like I said, it's. It's not necessarily like this game is setting itself apart. It's just kind of a general direction that the industry is headed in where finally we have like the really high quality graphics, but they're also interesting to look at. And I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. It's just a matter of... I definitely get where you're coming from. And and I am, again, like I said, I cannot wait for this game to come out. I am looking forward to it. Oh, this is absolutely day one. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, the, there's a lot of other games that I, I've picked up day one as of late and been disappointed that I did, which is rare for me because I've been trying to control my impulse purchases a lot more. But this is one of those where I've, and I might be proven wrong, but I've got no doubt that, you know, I'll be satisfied with what I get. So, yeah, it is interesting. Another one that I cannot wait to be playing is The Order 1886. This was, they talked about this quite a while back. We heard about this. 
We've gotten a variety of trailers. We've actually also gotten a lot of dev videos, and we all love those when they're well done. This is a game that hits on every button for me. I mean, it's a Victorian alternate universe steampunk game where one of your helpers is freaking Nikola Tesla. Yep. <laughs> like Tesla is your cue giving yep. you devices and weapons. You get a weapon that is like a Jacob's ladder for the barrel storing up the energy to store, to shoot out. And then you have what sounds like a very solid story as well. The setting is rock solid. I mean, it would have been easy for them to skimp on that and not really put as much attention to the details and just pass it off as, well, it's just an alternate universe kind of thing. But no, there's an attention to every detail in how this is presented. And then not just in terms of the story, because they were, they were saying again that they don't want this to be just have a comic book feel of werewolves and, and these knights, but they want something that feels like it could be real. Where in your imagination, if you're thinking, I wonder if, you know, there's, if this feels right, if it could be possible and they're pushing for that so that it does feel like in had a, a few different choices been made along the way kind of thing, this could have been, a reality for us. And I dig that to, to the point of like every aspect of the game, not just combat, but weapon design, the videos on weapon design alone should sell people. Even if you don't want to think of this as a, a shooter type game, which I mean, it's not, it's kind of like a Bioshock kind of thing, but the, the, the weapon design is insane. The, the attention to detail that they put into everything so that every weapon feels like it could actually exist in that universe, and it makes sense. Like the the the, the taking the time to create a, a type of AK forty seven weapon, and all of these prototype weapons, and then when you listen to their their or watch, I should say, the video on the score as well, and we're huge on that. Especially, I know Joe, you are too. Oh yeah, the score is so bloody important. And from the moment you hear the score in this game in the trailers, you know it's going to be something special and beyond what you see in a lot of different games. And here, that it's so dark and moody and suspenseful, and you find out again the full orchestra and being very choosy of what instruments they chose even, that there's no brass instruments because they didn't want any pingy instruments that would give you that moment of feeling heroic because that's not what the game is about. The They even have a choir, and but there's no tenors or, or anything. It's all very deep baritones in the choir. There's like... Very few wind instruments, except for some that produce very, very low bass sounds. The attention to detail throughout everything in this game is what has me so utterly sunk into it. And it is another one that I'm, I'm no doubt going to be pre-ordering because I, I, I wouldn't mind actually getting some of the pre-order bonuses for it. This is a game that honestly, I don't know how the hell I didn't know about it. 
But until we were talking sure about talked about it on older episodes, yeah, we would have. I, I, I must have forgotten about it. Like I just this I but believe. Like, but then I'm going through and I'm like I'm watching the videos and the dev series and everything like that, and it, it is absolutely right. And we talked about this before, and we've talked about this uh, even back for like the first handful of episodes. This game has a very cinematic feel about it, but not in such a way that you're a passenger. It just you are involved in this world that is gritty and horrendous and these things that are happening around you that are just terrible. And the story that is starting to emerge from it that we're hearing, like even the knights' names was kind of cool. I mean, mm-hmm. hell, there's a Sir Percival running around. Oh That's, yeah, that that knight the round table influence is very yes. intriguing to me. And but but for me personally, oh. I really need to get my hands on it to know more because, like you said, story concept, art design, everything that you know really matters to us personally, definitely interested. But it's one of those games like I kind of liken it to Deus Ex: Human Revolution, where it was an awful game to watch somebody else play it. But once you got your hands on it, it really worked. It's it's it kind of strikes me as that same thing where. It's not a good observational game. I really need to have a tactile sense for it before I can make a full decision for myself. Man, that's fair. I I don't know about that because if I'm equating it a lot more to Bioshock and that's a game that even then Bioshock is kind of awful to watch somebody else play from a trailer or like an E3 standpoint. I don't know. I I'm hook, line and sinker. The, the, right. the, the more I, power it, to you, man. The the more that I'm hearing to in terms of the um, the attention to detail they're putting to the design of the werewolves as well, mm-hmm. and that they don't want it to be something that's a cheat, and that they are making sure that they're as intelligent as humans. They're making sure that's that, a big selling point, right there. Yeah, the transformation as well. It makes sense that there's no cheat at any point. You're seeing that full transformation, not just in features, in terms of features, but the skeleton and everything. And and, and like to the point of saying, when you're watching the transformation, the big toe on their feet turns into the dew claws. Like, Jesus, you're putting a lot of <laughs> attention to detail if you're thinking about dew claws. Okay. So, and then again, when they're talking about Tesla. And they could have made it just a, a nod to Tesla and, you know, a few weapons and whatnot. They researched what Tesla was working on. The weapons are based on, if not specific things he was working on, but also like theories and different other like little things that he was working like on. That, yeah. yeah. And then they're also making him like this MacGyver type character that's putting things together, but who's also has this morality that he's not happy and is worried because he feels his, his designs are being used as, as weapons and things like that. Jesus. And this is just a, a, an extra character that you go to for your, your weapons and whatnot. All I know is there better be a pigeon accomplice with him or I'm going to, that's just going to ruin it for me. All right. Okay. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. Some of the other games that we were looking at. You mentioned Ori in the Blind Forest. That was one of the ones that when we saw it in the trailers, it sure as hell caught my attention. I, I can't wait for that game. Another one that surprised the crap out of us, of course, during BlizzCon, was Overwatch. 
Holy crap, where did this come from? came out of nowhere. Well, it came out of... Well, yeah, we know where it came from. <laughs> a but. failed MMO is what it came out of. And, and it's funny because the more I see it, the more I think, man, this was probably a bitch in MMO before they changed well, it. It was probably a really fun game that didn't work as an MMO is how I look at it. Yeah. Well, it's really kind of interesting because Titan was one of those things that, I mean, I reported on it years ago. Uh, and it was supposed to be like this futuristic, multi-faction, shooter-based MMO. And then I think that that was too ambitious at the time. And I think that was the big problem. Cause how the time make- too ambitious now. <laughs> I don't, well, I'm yeah, sure we'll talk about that later. But 40, the 40K MMO is starting to, do, starting to shape up pretty well as far as shooting I, I, MMOs. Yes, goes. I will agree. So – it is possible, but I think it was something that was just too much. And then you have Overwatch, and Overwatch is sort of that reimagining of it where it's like, well, let's take that core mechanics of the shooter and let's kind of build off of something that has become a lot more successful. This is let's literally – fucking gorilla let's give it a fucking gorilla <laughs> but this is literally team fortress 2 had a baby with heroes of the storm that is exactly what this game is it is overkill of action and excitement and all sorts of pops of color and the cool thing is it's an alternate universe of our of our world right now and that is um to me that's really kind of cool and it's this very interesting kind of like light concept of there's this group of of heroes called the overwatch that sort of brought peace and then sort of kind of disbanded or disappeared. And now there's still a need for heroes and to kind of come to the front and take over. And so you have a lot of former Overwatch members and you have a lot of variety of, of things. They have an enlightened monk robot as a playable character. <laughs> come on! All right, so that's so really, am, really cool. Am I the only one who has that narrowed down to about maybe eight or nine characters that I want to play? I already have my favorite. I know exactly which one yeah, I'm going to play. I have my favorite eight. I'm down to maybe three or four. I'm, I'm doing better. So me, it's uh, Torbjorn because it's a dwarf support that beats things with hammers, a rivet gun, and creates turrets. How the hell can you not love that? I cannot love that because one of the playable characters is a fucking gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention the samurai and God. that The samurai is- named Hanzo? Well, okay, creativity may be a little lacking in the naming department, but personally, that's something I can relate to. <laughs> it's just, God, this is just Blizzard, like, diluted down to their core elements of here's everything awesome, fuck what doesn't matter. The only thing that I doubt they'll do that I really wish they would do is for each character have a very brief solo mission that you do mm-hmm. that gives you the backstory of the character doesn't have to be long you know a quest or two kind of thing where you do something solo it would introduce you to that character and its abilities so it'd be part training for each of the characters but would also have that short story element to get you to feel for those characters i doubt very much that would be in there but man would i ever love to see that they they could always kind of borrow from some of the other game companies that generally don't do a lot of like lore based mechanics in game. Um, Riot's a great example. They have interactive uh, sort of storytelling sessions where either in the game client or on the website, you go through the individual story for that particular character. And it sort of kind of takes you through the events of the character's life or the key events up to that point. I would be okay with something like that where it's like, here's, like a, a telltale style type thing where it's like, 
here's the different trees. Pick your, you know, this is this is this example. This is it. You're like just kind of like branch out and give it all to you that way, which might circumvent the need to having anything more in the gameplay for the people that don't really care about it. Because um, there's going to be a bunch of people that just want to have basically zipping around King's Row or zipping around uh, uh, Hanamura and uh, just kind of going crazy and don't care about what the backstory is for the character. I think they can accommodate both, but... See, that's something that Blizzard is kind of able to get around with between Heroes of the Storm and Hearthstone, that so much of those two games is already established. You can just get to the gameplay. But what we've seen from Overwatch, it's 100% new IP. So I really hope Blizzard takes at least a little bit of time to focus on the backstory behind it because this is an IP that can't be 100% gameplay. 90, 90% gameplay? Okay, but there needs to be have something behind these characters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, let's move on to Persona 5, which is all story and one of those titles that people have been really looking forward to and I'm assuming for you this is one of those day one purchases. No doubt. Like <laughs> When this was first announced, God, forever ago, for PS3, Three. this was a day one purchase. And Atlas was smart enough to go, okay, we're not going to have this out in a timely manner for it to be valid. I don't want to say valid, but e- even relevant as a PS3 only for purchase. So they're making a PS3 and PS4. But And this is also the typical, not just of Persona, but the larger Shin Megami Tensei universe that the Persona persona games are a subset of where they tell you just enough to make you interested and if you're a fan you're gonna buy it if you're not a fan well hopefully you know enough people that are fans they're gonna be able to talk you into it because we actually know very little about the game itself because all all we know is just like the other persona games it's really going to be focused on you know kind of this teenage japanese high school slice of life sort of experience which i'm actually wondering how this is going to be interesting to you roger now that we've read so much of wayward and you have like more experience with the setting it's something we're going to come back to and you know later this year probably but all we really know from a story standpoint is that it's really going to focus on these characters freeing themselves and it kind of gets into the constraints that so much of Japanese specifically, their society places upon people even more so in that school setting, which again ties in with what we talked about uh, previously on Comic Book Informer, and how these characters are going to find their own individuality to kind of break the chains and become their own unique people. In addition to everything we've come to expect from the Persona franchise, both from gameplay and storytelling standpoints, where it's been really focused on the main character's interactions with the supporting cast. So, I again, as a fan, I don't need to know anymore. I'm just kind of wondering how you guys are seeing this from the outside looking in. Joel, I'll let you go first. So, I love RPGs. I love JRPGs. But I have never really been a fan of the Persona uh, franchise in so much as, like, Vince is a fan. But everything I'm starting to see is – and the enthusiasm that's starting to come from not just you guys but people on my Twitter feed and my coworkers has got me looking more at this game. And it seems like something that I'm going to want to pick up and start to get into. And I can already tell that it, I'm going to be one of those people that it's going to be uh, – nobody's going to hear from me for like three or four weeks. Try a little longer than that. <laughs> I have golden on my Vita and I've had it for, for quite a while. You have one trophy. I don't bother with trophies. But that's the thing. See, I've played it 
to, I, I don't know how many hours I put into it. And, and I accept that everybody, damn near everybody, says that it is the game to own for the Vita. That it is one of the best, some people say, the best Vita game to own. Again, I, fine, all right. But I I got to a point and it was like, I, I just got bored with it. And no, it didn't I, hold I the same level of excitement. And it's not that there wasn't a lot going on. They were crashing in and out of the Best Buy TVs and having a grand old time <laughs> destroying demons and shooting themselves in the head. So there's a lot of shit going down. But it's still one of those where I'm like, I it, it's it's A, it's not nearly relatable enough. Part yes. of that is a generational thing, of course. I'm not a teenage kid in high not school. just generational, but cultural. Yeah, cultural as well. But it's also just that the manner in which it's presented also and stuff just didn't do it for me. And again, it's not, and I say cultural and, and generational, and yet give me a good anime that is set in a high school, a Japanese high school setting. As long as it's well done and I'm not just looking at schoolgirl panties and it has a good story and things like that. And I'm even willing to forgive some stupidity, traditional Jap- Japanese stupidity that is a cultural deathly thing. But and I'm fine. I'm in it and I will enjoy it. But this here, I'm just, I found for the most part that the characters were either so over the top stereotypical of what you'd expect for that kind of thing or bland and so, I don't know. And then the first Persona that I, I bought and played, well, it well, suffered yeah, the, the from old school being ones the you really, really can't old go school. back to at this point. You can't. So I tried, and it was like, well, that's not going to work. So then I played Gold because it's supposed to be the end all be all Vita game, and I got to the point where it's like, well, I'm kind of bored with it. Well, it's just one of those games that's. By design, not going to really interest everyone. Yeah. Personally, I've played Persona 4 three times, twice on PS2 and then once in Golden. And God, if I had the time, I would play through it again on Golden. It's just I'm that much of a fan. But I fully realize that, A, it takes a long time for the game to really click. You know, there's there's a significant amount of time where you're really doing nothing more than pressing the X button. And that's something that Atlas as developers needs to address. Now, for all I know, that works perfectly in the Japanese market. I I don't know how the Japanese gamers react to story and games. I know how Western gamers do. And I know how Western gamers who are fans of Japanese games do. But I just don't know how it reacts to like the larger, larger global audience. And I'll also 100% agree that the vast majority of the characters in the games are not very interesting or deep from the beginning. You have to invest the time for those characters to develop. And even then, like they're not just going to naturally develop. You as the player have to put time into seeking out their story. But again, that's the kind of thing that interests me. If I'm really interested in one character, I can seriously devote my time to learning more about that character. But again, at the same time, I can see how in the larger Western audience, it's really not something that's going to grab hold. Yeah. Well, I will be picking it up and playing it. I, I actually am looking forward to playing it. And with any luck, they'll have the crossplay nailed down for Vita so I could play it on my Vita where I, wherever oh, I am. Oh, I have no so, doubt crossplay is going to work because it's an RPG. You exactly. don't need that many buttons. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it will be something that I do pick up and I am looking forward to. But whether I enjoy it and play through it beyond, you know, 
what I have with Golden is another matter entirely. Okay, moving on, let's look at some of the games. we got Phantom Dust is coming out. Quantum Break also looks very interesting. Just real quick, I mentioned at this point two hours ago that there was a game that was going to be my make or break game for the Xbox One. Quantum Break is it. Oh, really? Because it's Remedy. Yeah, Max but... Max Payne, Alan Wake, like, that's a developer I really expect, and that's could be the game that sells me an xbox some of what i've seen of it i agree and then some i'm thinking i don't know it's 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 make or break almost entirely on the shoulders of that game which is unfair to remedy but it's it's i already own a ps4 so there has to be a real xbox exclusive to interest me and i mean it's certainly not going to be halo so it might be that see and there's where we're looking at rise of the tomb raider which is going to be an x box exclusive like luckily it's going to be a 360 and xbox one exclusive and they have said i didn't know it was going to be 360 yeah yeah 360 and one they have said also that it is a timed exclusive oh yeah eventually it will come out for other systems but they're really keeping hushed about that both square enix who are publishing it as well as obviously microsoft um we really don't know a lot about this we talked about the reboot of tomb raider Joe and I especially. Oh, yes. How much we adored the reboot. And yes, there were some flaws, but holy God damn, did they ever do a lot of things right as well. And it was great. And so when this was announced, I could not wait. And then I was so utterly disgusted with it being an exclusive. Even though I own a 360, I kind of got spoiled <laughs> with the PS4 <laughs> now. That is like, I don't want to buy and play crap on my old 360 and an old PS3. I want next gen. It's not even next gen. It's current gen stuff. That's what I want. So I may hold off until it's out on the, the PS4. And by then, hopefully they'll have ironed out any post-launch cranks in it and make it nice. But it is a title that as soon as it does come out on the PS4, I am dying to play what i'm also going to be doing from now until then is i have not actually been reading the tomb raider series from dark horse um as a tomb raider series there is we never covered it on guess what we're covering soon on comic yeah and it's gail simone (laughs) gail simone is writing it and it started in february of uh 2014 and they're up to issue 11 now as of december really yeah God, I'm terrible at my job. So I actually haven't (laughs) read... I think I might have read the first one, but I didn't buy any of the others. So I... Because what's happening is that the events of the comics are the in-between, in-between the Tomb Raider reboot and this upcoming one, Rise of the Tomb Raider. So... I really want to make sure that I read all of those comic books. There's also a book actually that came out in the fall that I'm considering picking up on Amazon. And all of this leads into Rise of the Tomb Raider. So I would love to read all of those so that I'm prepped for when the game comes out. Hmm. So yeah, she's doing a lot more globe trotting in this one. So there's bound to be more locales as opposed to just the island from Tomb Raider. So that would be interesting to have a lot more variety, not just in terms of the environment but also the people and the npcs and the whoever you quest with as well yeah well you don't have to worry about factoring gameplay into the equation you can have a lot more freedom from a storytelling standpoint yeah yeah. so it, it is a title that i am very much looking forward to playing just again not on 
the Xbox whatsoever. It would, like I said earlier, it would have to be an insanely good deal on a one for me to pick one up at this point. See, and this is one of those games that kind of pushes me into that camp of really it's wanting to really, get an Xbox. I don't want to wait. It's that much of a console seller for you. It for me, it, well, you know, okay, you know how much I loved the uh, reboot. Oh no, no, and I did too. I did too. But to to say that it would be enough for me to want to plunk down three bills on it on a console to play the next one no not that much this is this is pretty close the more i'm seeing about it the more it's getting to that point Hmm. okay see personally i'm looking at it right now that an xbox one is an entire session on a new tattoo (laughs) which ironically (laughs) i've I've got my next one planned a really good artist that's an important distinction for me it really is I've got. I'm, I'm getting my my granddaughter's hand. Her. I, I got a, a handprint of her. Completely off topic, people. But the, the meds are starting to <laughs> kick in with the vines. So deal with it. This is our show. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, my granddaughter started walking. She just turned nine months old, and so she started walking. And I wanted a tattoo of her handprint on either my hand or something, because I, I walk with her, and she walks faster than me now. And so I got a handprint <laughs> of her tiny little hand and out of molasses of all things, I smeared molasses all over her hand and I put it on a piece of paper and I get a handprint. So I'm going to get a handprint of her hand on me. Completely Aww. out of topic. So, but yeah, tattoos are important. Sometimes more important than game consoles. Anyways, yeah. moving on. Um, Star Wars Battlefront coming out, which star wars games have been a little rocky no and doubt. this is gonna this be one's gonna be awesome though <laughs> this but is looking pretty damn we cool know nothing um one that we heard a little bit more and the only reason i'm iffy about this is because of publishers and yeah. devs uh tom clancy's the division i it interests me a lot but we've gotten so much crap like with the crew and stuff that it's like ee, hmm i I don't know how well this is going to work. Whereas before I would have said, okay, I'll probably pick it up day one. Now it's like, no, I'm going to wait a little while before I pick this up. As I've said on multiple podcasts, Ubisoft is a terrible company that by chance has come out with an incredible string of great games. But he said over the past year, we've seen The Crew, we've seen Watch Dogs, we've seen Assassin's Creed, which for assorted reasons have all fallen short of expectations. Far Cry 4, not my thing, but for the people who are really into it, apparently that game actually did hit the mark. But a 25% success rate, I, I need actual reviews and hands-on experience before I can even look at this game. Yeah, yeah. And, and I actually pre-ordered the crew because I'm such a racing fan. And you're going to toss in some MMO-type features on top of that? Oh, my God. That's oh, like everything we saw right up prior to release was brilliant. Yeah. And then I picked it up and I've barely played it because, oh my God, so much crap with it that is annoying as all hell. So it's like, oh, thank you. That was worth it. <laughs> Let's move on. Uncharted <laughs> 4, Thief's End. Now, <laughs> this is interesting for a variety of reasons, not the least of which being Nathan's older brother is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that explains why he has this complex that he has to do all these things. But yeah, Troy Baker is going to be the voice of his older brother. So I just oh, thought that wait was... Wait a minute. Troy Baker isn't Batman. He wasn't Kevin Conroy Batman. is Batman. Well, Kevin Conroy is the Batman. Exactly. If, if I don't put I air quotes... to accept a secondary Batman. No, no. If there's no air quotes, <laughs> then it's the Batman. But if there's air quotes, you know that that's the one and only. 
Anyway. Okay, so Kevin Conroy is the goddamn Batman. Yes, for, I'll give you that. For, for, for specific. Yes. Let's make that the distinction. From here on out. Um, we really don't know a ton about this, only that Nathan is going to be teaming up with his brother for this grand adventure, which whether it's his actual final one or Naughty Dog decides to come up with something else later on, who the hell knows. It looks pretty, obviously. They know what they're doing with PlayStation development. They were able to make phenomenal PS3 games when people were still struggling with the architecture of the PS3, and so the 4 is that much easier to code for. It looks great. People have kind of been making far too big a deal about the way that Nathan looks compared to his old PS3 look. I don't frankly give a rat's ass about that. I liked the gameplay, but that's because I like the Uncharted gameplay. I It's a Tomb Raider with a dick. And so it's, <laughs> that's what it is. Listen, it's, I think I've seen that movie, Roger. <laughs> but anyways, it's like I... I've always liked them. Sadly, as is the case all the time, I haven't finished them all, but I still enjoy what I play a lot. So, I, Which I am, ones have you finished, Roger? I finished the first one. I didn't finish the second one. <laughs> but goddamn, right. did I ever At enjoy it. At some point, we're going to have to have an intervention. Yeah, probably. At this point, some of them are free anyway, so I got them through we PS need, Plus. So we I don't need care. to contact your wife and cut you off from buying Dude. any more new games until okay. you finish one. She, we were just the folks are going to notice the sound quality differences here listening to this. And if you were what are you in talking the stream, about? This is perfectly fine. Obviously, we had some technical difficulties where everything blew up on my end, and I'm silently cursing the computer. My wife comes up behind me. God damn, I love my wife. And she's like, well, why don't you just buy another one, another new computer? You were just saying you could use another one. And it's like, don't tempt me, woman. God. She's going, no, we have the money. You could do it. It'd be worth it. You enjoy doing the podcast. It's like, oh, you're too good to me. You really, really are. The more time you spend recording podcasts, the less time you spend bothering me. So basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> buy a new one. Anyways, I know that you guys probably really don't care too much about this title, but it's it's I, not that I don't care. I just as I've said with Uncharted and Naughty Dog in general, I really love their games. I'm just not a big fan of physically playing them. Yeah. I See, love I, the characters and I love the stories. The, yeah, the, the characters are always great. That's the thing. Uh, 3 was not as good, I will say that. But the, I mean especially one, the character dynamics between them all is what yeah, really no sells it. So the idea of hear him with his brother and getting those kind of jabs back and forth, I just I just think it's going to be so much fun. As long as the story isn't just your generic kind of story, which unfortunately is how I felt a little bit about 3 kind of thing. Sorry, Joe, you were saying? I'm actually kind of curious, and this may be a little bit stupid, but considering how we know how sort of that entire story arc ultimately ends because of The Last of Us. I'm wondering if they're going to start putting elements of that into Uncharted, into the series. What? All I want to see at this point is since we have Nolan North and Troy Baker in the same game, they literally have to voice every character in the game. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on. Last couple got wild. And then the last one is The Witcher 3. Now, I, I own... One and two. <laughs> However, in my defense, I didn't even play them. <laughs> so, I played the first one for a couple of hours and then gave up. 
I've I, just I honestly, despite all I've heard, I can't bring myself to try the second. I've got them, and I got them so unbelievably cheap that it was one of those. Well, one day maybe I'll play them. I'm pretty sure I got the first one for free. Yeah, but I've heard so many things about them and how horrific they can be gameplay wise that it's like i don't want to put myself through that so the first game was absolutely horrendous uh the second game was leaps and bounds better than the first game except the entry level point to it was a little bit uh, the the amount of hoops you had to run through to get to the actual meat of the gameplay made it so that a lot of people didn't actually play it which was really really sad um Despite that, I actually really enjoy the Witcher series. I actually like the idea of the whole, you know, Gestalt sort of um, mage. Wait, wait, Voltron is in this game? No. (laughs) Oh, you had me excited for a second. Well, I'm sorry. There are monsters that look like they're they're Volbeasts or Robeasts. (laughs) So, I mean, they're definitely there. But this one is, is kind of interesting because it seems like they're starting to take a look at everywhere that they failed on the first ones and potentially kind of moving to make that better, which is good. It's the third in the series, obviously. Everybody knows that. It's supposed to be about a third bigger than any of the other previous games that they've had. And it's actually supposed to be bigger than Skyrim. It's an open-world environment. Um, Dragon Age said the same thing, so... <laughs> Dragon Age did the same th- said the same thing, but you spent most of that time in the Hinterlands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not arguing. But the cool thing about it is that your actions while you're going throughout the world will actually change the rest of the world, which is something that they didn't really they they said they were going to do, but didn't really do uh, in the previous games. But each mission that you go on, you have complete control over what you do. And each mission has multiple different ways that you can complete it. Uh, Perfect example that we've gotten through their interviews was there's a town that there's a monster that you're trying to hunt. But the elder of the town says that the monster is keeping that town safe from everything else. So what do you do? Do you don't go kill the monster or do you leave it to make sure that it keeps the town safe? And there's a lot of different things like that where there's going to be tons of different decisions that you can make on all these different quests that you can choose to take. There's an anticipated of about 100 hours of gameplay, 50 hours of which are supposed to be just for the main story alone. Um, that's a huge amount of time for the main storyline in this type of game because the other ones were... 10 to 15 hours-ish. So I'm kind of curious how in-depth they're going to make it. Um, We don't know too much about the story, except that it does take place immediately after The Witcher 2, um, where basically the people that wanted to use The Witcher or Geralt um, are just gone. They're they're no longer alive. And now he's on a personal mission uh, while everything around him is changing. And that's pretty much all we know about it. Um, There will be another playable character that will also have some story elements uh, named Ciri, who's going to be a sword fighter with mythical powers. And it unlocks certain narrative possibilities for them to kind of travel down. But the main focus is still going to be on uh, Geralt. I don't know. I'm really excited about this because I kind of want to see how this goes. I want to see where the story goes and what they do with it. And I want to see if they make that barrier better to get into this game than they have in the previous ones. Yeah, I I really want this game to work because based on previous knowledge of you know how beloved this series this franchise is, I it's something I want to be able to enjoy. Yeah. Like you said, there's that barrier. And 
if there's any game I really want to see succeed this year, this is probably it because I want to be part of this movement, this you know fan base. It's just there's so much about the game itself that, like you said, it prevents a lot of people from really getting into it. Yeah, the 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 setting, the people, the environment, the the the, the playable characters, everything seem very interested. I actually have. Uh, a couple of the novels. There's either two or three of them, but I actually there are have three novels. There yeah. are three novels that came before the games. Yeah, so I have a couple of the novels. Actually, it's Karen who bought them for me, and so I've got them. I haven't had a chance to to read them yet, and it's one of those. Well, if I'm not really going to be playing the games, I'm just in a rush to read the books. Because yeah, <laughs> maybe at some point, with my luck, I'll read them and go, "Holy crap! I have to play these games," and then I'll be like hit myself with a ball peen hammer from that point on. So, <laughs> yeah. so, but anyways, I, I too am hoping that the game is better, but it, I am definitely holding off and not just like a week post release, but like significant. Let's give some people some real time to play the game and give us a, a an honest opinion without the, the, the fandom of it being out and being so excited kind of thing. But if it is worth it, regardless of having played the first two, yeah, I would love to play it. This will be a game that unfortunately or fortunately, I will probably be picking up pretty close to its release and I will probably be streaming. So you'll be able to get some firsthand accounts of whether or not the game sucks. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on in terms of hardware wise. Well, of course we're not getting any new consoles, but as with every year, there is that it thing that everybody's working on, be it the motion capture stuff or the um, the uh, the 3D for a little while. We had that, and this year is the VR. They, they actually did some of that last year as well. We've been getting a lot more of a push for the Oculus Rift, but also with Project Morpheus has really kind of come out of that gate running and is fairly interesting actually in how stable it is and how good it looks especially as compared to the 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 rift and then also microsoft and samsung are also working on some too i just wanted to leave off and end the podcast on that and get your opinions as the the next it thing which no doubt we're going to hear about during ces that's going on right now 2015 ces is that something that actually really interests you? If the price is right, which is the obvious question, is that something that you would really be very interested in? We'll start with you, Joe. No, I'm really not. Like, it has some potential, but ultimately, it's not for me. Like, I've, I have a, a friend locally who did that Kickstarter for the Oculus Rift and actually has one of the dev kits. And I've tried it, and I don't like it. I understand that it's still like in the dev kit phase and everything like that, but it just feels clunky to me. And I understand that it has a lot of potential, and it has some very cool things that it could possibly do, but it just doesn't really do anything for me. It's basically me just strapping TVs to my face as far as I'm concerned. And I, if I really wanted to do that, I could strap a TV to my face and look like an idiot as well. But it's... It's just there's nothing so Joe, far in there you, that's really you grabbing me. <laughs> Vince? Oh. It's one of those things. I'm kind of with Joe where I acknowledge that there are a number of people who are super into it and more power to them, but it's not there for me yet. At the same time, I'm really respecting some of the creativity 
that we're seeing from developers. Uh, case in point, there's this game I saw a video of on YouTube not long ago called Black Hat, where you have one character or one player who's entirely encased in the Oculus, so all they can see is what's in front of them, and you have another player who is basically like using almost like a web interface to guide the other player through this maze and through these pitfalls. Like it's it's a heist game basically where you have one player who's hacking into the security system and the other one who's crawling through the air ducts or what have you. That is a really cool, cool asymmetric hell. gameplay standpoint. At the same time, it's vector graphics. So it's a cool concept and it's something I would like to see developed as the technology evolves. But as a consumer, it's nowhere near there yet. Yeah, that's the only thing for me that I'm thinking it's not there. But... It's leaps and bounds ahead of what it was quite literally Absolutely. just a couple of years ago. I'm really interested to see where it'll be by the end of this year. Yeah. So the way that I'm looking at it is that not necessarily with the 1.0 iterations of these when they are released, but the 2.0. Well, Oculus is already at 2. Well, you know what I mean. Carry on. We're going to be seeing spectacular games especially if the devs use their imagination to give us something that is above and beyond what we're used to, not just picking up a sword and slicing it around, but things like what you're describing. I actually am super interested in this kind of stuff. Not enough that I backed the Oculus on Kickstarter, not that I would buy Project Morpheus day one kind of thing, not by any stretch of the imagination. However, talk to me again in two years' time, and that may change. By then, if they're much more advanced and we're seeing better graphics and we're seeing something that's more comfortable in your head and much more immersive. There was another one that there was a video today that I just saw, and it was it was cool as hell because what they did is picture big earphones with a solid top kind of thing that you could just slide over your eyes when you wanted to. The ear pieces stayed over your ears, but now you had two, the two cameras were over your head, which had, or your eyes had been on top of your head kind of thing. So picture just sliding your headset down over your eyes. I've had too much to drink to try and picture that. It was cool <laughs> as hell. And it was like, oh, dude, if that's where we're heading, mm-hmm. I Seek. want it. But to, to, and here's and here's a weird thing. So years and years and years ago, I don't know if you guys had them in your area. Sega and Steven Spielberg linked together and they created these uh, things called Palladium. They were like arcades, basically. But for the next playing gen- system, no, <laughs> not the role limited. System. I play that every other Friday. <laughs> but it was it was for next gen sort of arcade gaming. We're talking like it had a virtual suite for fighting games where you would go in there and you would be like doing the motions of the fighter and it would project you into that world. Uh, basically, they had this thing where it was a racing game. It was a formula. It was an F1 uh, racing game that was completely enclosed, and it was it had basically four four D reality, whatever you want to call it. It had the wind. It had the um, it was basically a cockpit that would rotate around you, that would basically move you as you were moving in the car. And it had the entire thing was encapsulated in screens. And when you sat in it in it you sat in what was essentially the shell of an f1 
that was phenomenal. And we're talking 20 years ago. And that felt absolutely immersive because it was a complete, total uh, experience. And I understand that home consoles can't get to that quite yet. But these ones, it's just having experienced that and then looking at these where it's just like like we said, where it's there's that potential, but it's still just screen strapped to your head. It's really, really hard for me to get excited about it. But is it, no, we're so close. We have, from what I've read of other people experiencing Oculus and whatnot, we have a number of really good experiences that aren't quite games and really good games that aren't quite experiences. So a little more time developing the technology and kind of melding those two aspects together. Yeah, 2016, this could be something really interesting to talk about. Well, the thing, too, to keep in mind is that it's the same thing as when we're looking at brand new consoles. The first iteration games to come out on those brand new consoles, like we're getting now on the PS4 and the the Xbox One, are on par with, sometimes even a little below, the best of the last iteration. And that's because they've had the time to really get to know the coding of what they can do. The same thing's happening with these now. It's just that these are even below first year obviously because they're mm-hmm. the hell they're not even done yet so i give them a lot of leeway in that regard which is again to say like i said i don't expect greatness in the f- in the first year it comes out even there'll be some cool stuff no doubt but it will be lacking in a lot of ways but man that second third year so like you're saying 2016 i still think that's a little iffy 2017 i think we're getting into some amazingly immersive games and like i know joe you're a lot more social with your games and whatnot i play if i'm not playing with my son which we do play a, a number of games together often i will be playing a game by myself so for me the idea of something that i could just sit on the couch or whatever like the morpheus or or the rift and just do a game and not have to worry really interests me and furthermore the that that writer's imagination of a sci-fi future where you strap on a headset and you've got a sword art online type of you know immersive experience i i dream of that for me it's it's even though without the life-ending consequences yeah really (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, to me, that's something that just speaks to me. So even though I know it's nowhere near that, can't possibly be that, just the glimpse of that to me is enough to have me excited. With that, we are actually going to wrap up this tumultuous return episode. Thank you to the few who joined us in the live stream. And once again, I apologize for it dying. Things will be better next week. I, I do fall The internet broke. Sticking to it. We're sticking to that, yes. Yeah, next week we died. have... Yet another fantastic episode. We are going to be slowing down a little later, but I want a few episodes where we are really packing them in. Let's it's get been people two and a half fucking exactly. Years. Let's get people excited for this. And so next week we're going to be talking some Warlords of Draenor. We're going to have a fantastic full feature to talk about that, the pros and the cons. We're going to have a great feature and discussion on Dragon Age Inquisition, which for many people was the game of the year for 2014. And also we're going to be talking about Tales from the Borderlands, which is a Telltale game, which I already have fallen in love with and cannot wait for more. Make sure to stop by the site at For the Lore, which is under construction again. 
and I will have it back <laughs> operational as soon as possible. You can follow us all on Twitter. Joe is Ledger ZJ. Vince is at Samodian and I am at Zen Buddhist. I'll have all of those links in the show notes. Please leave us comments on iTunes and I will have us up on Stitcher very soon as well. And join us next week live at twitcher.tv or sorry, Twitter. <laughs> and join <laughs> us next week live at twitch.tv slash for the lore. We'll talk to you guys next week. A little less conversation, a little more action, please. All this aggravation is satisfaction in me. A little more bite, a little less bark, a little less bite, a little more... And how how far is this computer away from your kitchen now? Can we hear the spoon and the so, fork on Tart's No, you will not hear that. I actually, I actually have a house now. Go figure. So there's, there's actual space. It's not like four feet to the kitchen. Which is funny because Renee was talking about that this is when we were getting home from work. She's like, oh, God, Roger's going to yell at me for like making any any amount of noise, isn't he? I never used to yell at her. Well, maybe a bit, but not a lot. I said stop. Well, hi. You fixed the, the internet. I'm just having ice cream. I don't give a rat's ass anymore. I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> I do not care. I'm eating ice cream. <laughs> I'm trying to find my happy place. <laughs> it's far away. <laughs> so bad. On the bright side, episode 132 is going to be great. <laughs> You better have a backup is what I'm saying. I've got the backup. So, since this is being recorded for the record, it's not your fault, Roger. Something crazy happened to the internet. The bright side, we've got a week to figure it out. By we, you mean me. I'll I'll help. (laughs) (laughs) If I can do anything, just let me know. You have my unending moral support. Okay, in about 20 minutes, the painkillers are going to kick in on top of the wine, so. <laughs> so you're going to have a 20-minute time limit until you're out cold? No, no. we have a 20-minute time limit until this becomes the best episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> and you were starting in on, I like it, and blah, blah, blah. And I say blah, 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 because I didn't hear the rest. <laughs> See, it's interesting that you talk about the art style of Opan's no old man sky oh my god start again start again I'm just gonna cut that out sorry <laughs> I swear to we're god s- he said now so that he's close. living in the house it was gonna be quiet on his end I swear he said that at the beginning of the show I, I don't know what you're talking about I, yeah, yeah, I don't know either. no this, is, this, this was 100% exactly on program even if there were 40 more I wouldn't sleep a minute away Oh, there's blackjack and poker and the roulette wheel A fortune won and lost on every deal All you need is strong heart and a nerve steel Viva Las Vegas Viva Las Vegas Viva Las Vegas with your neon flashing And your one-arm bandits crashing All those holes down the drain Viva Las Vegas turning day into night time turning night